It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and I'm going to get straight into it tonight with my first guest, Mark Scott Lennon, who is the managing director of Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel in Kalini. I met Mark last week at the Irish Hotel Federation's annual conference and I was delighted when he joined me by Zoom to tell me all about the family business. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Mark, great to have you on The Best Possible Taste. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on, Sharon. Really appreciate it. So it was great meeting you earlier on this week in Killarney at the Irish Hotel Federation Annual Conference. And I was really interested to hear that you're a third generation hotelier, that your grandfather bought the Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel in Killarney a number of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... My granddad was is an inspiration to us all in, in a way. He's um a self-made man. So he was started out peeling onions in the kitchens and hotels and enjoyed the work. Um actually grew up on the Bico Road, which is uh like three or four minutes from the hotel. Um and then he went and had a very uh, successful career in hotels. He worked in the Talbot and Wexford um becoming general manager there. He trained in the Gresham Hotel in town under Toddy O'Sullivan, who's a very famous hotelier. And then he worked uh, for the old Jury's Hotel Group. So PV Doyle was the founder of that. So he was a group general manager for him, for uh, that hotel group. And um, then this came up on the market, this um, the castle here. And he, uh, you know, jumped at it. I think my mum says that he, uh, he had his first alcoholic drinks on the grounds of the castle and got sick on one of the trees. So, <laughs> so he had some connection to the property, um, but it was very like you know it was a thirteen bedroom, uh, hotel when he would have got it and in, in a, quite a state of disrepair and missing floorboards and uh, not not ready for um being a four star hotel. So uh, he took a bit of a risk and remortgaged everything and um went for it. So like it has grown and developed. You now have a hundred and thirteen bedrooms. So there's been a lot of development and refurbishment work has gone on over the past 50 years yeah it's it's a blessing and a curse i suppose because the building is uh, the footprint is so large and it's all built at different stages so the original castle is 1741 um and then the uh first wing of bedrooms he would have built he built a swimming pool first um and uh, 30 or 40 rooms above that um and then subsequently built a, another bedroom corridor which uh uh, and then, sorry, and he built on the fourth and the fifth above, which are in the late seventies. And then there was a bedroom corridor to the back of the hotel that was burnt down by a staff member. And after that, he built thirty six rooms and a new restaurant and meeting rooms and everything at the back of the hotel. So, like all businesses, a few ups and downs there with the staff. Yes, <laughs> but uh, it leads to it's such a big property with something at end of life all the time. If you know what I mean, because the. Because of the age of the property, nothing's uh, it all didn't go in at the same time. And your mother and your uncle both followed in your grandfather's footsteps, and they both went into the hospitality industry. Yeah, well, two two of my uncles um 
and and my mum. So my uh, uncle John owns the two in New York, Grand Central and Fitzpatrick Manhattan. Um, so my granddad would have. Uh, he always said, "If you know, like the Frank Sinatra song, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere." Always had a dream to open a hotel in New York. So myself, him, himself, and my uncle put a lot of work into going over there and finding the right site. So he's been over there. 30 years now um, in New York uh, and my mother owns the, the hotel here in Kalini which is the, the original Fitzpatrick Hotel and my uncle Paul kind of went a different path and had, had the Morgan, the Beacon, the Spencer which are more like lifestyle hotels um, uh, in, in Dublin City but he's since left the hotel business. And so what's it like growing up in that environment where everybody is so steeped in the hospitality industry because it's not a nine to five Monday to Friday job. Yeah, I don't know. I just um, it it always felt just the way it was and natural. And like my dad was a publican as well, so he had um a pub out in Hout. So a lot of my early memories are going out with him to help out with the traditional Irish shows or pretend I was helping out, walk around in a t-shirt. Um, and uh, then obviously coming up to the hotel here, which was my granddad's at the time, and um, it was just fun. I suppose that you were around busy places and big ballrooms and um staying in the hotel and staying in those two or three there was Cork and Shannon as well in Ireland so going up and down the country to stay in the other hotels so it was just really cool I suppose. What's your earliest memory of being in the hotel is there one special memory that you, you still have from being? I, I, I like I, I, one particular uh, reoccurring memory would have been we have a the head chef we had a head chef here Sean Dempsey was here for, with us for 50 years um, he just retired during COVID. But um, when we came here for dinner, you know, if you had all your dinner, you'd go down and see the chef in the kitchen, which is great fun. You go down to get meringue, which uh, he'd give us. So you'd go down, uh, down the steps into the kitchen and be made a fuss of. And um, so I always remember that being uh, something you look forward to when you come here. And then the other is running around the ballroom. So we'd be very disappointed to find a, a ballroom set up for a dinner or a conference because we wanted to run around and kick footballs. <laughs> They're, the, they're the, the memories or the fun times of the hotel in the early days. So it's like it was like a huge playground to you, really? Yeah, I'm sure my granddad didn't like that it was a big playground to us. But yeah, <laughs> we stayed here one Christmas when you were young and uh, he the, the pool was closed and he opened up the pool for us and let us in. And, you know, that felt amazing to be in and when you weren't meant to be in the pool no one else there <laughs> fabulous and and you didn't go straight from um from school into studying for the hospitality industry you actually went to UCD and you did economics and politics were you trying to like get away from hospitality were you not sure that that was something that you wanted to do I loved hospitality you know I worked here since I was 15 and all through transition year and weekends uh, through school and uh, like absolutely loved it but I suppose like I had a lot of friends going to UCD and um, I was unsure about committing it I was I was worried about the pitfalls of the family business so you know it would have been very easy for me at 18 to say yeah great my future's sorted I'll just do the hospitality and then I'll uh, go down that path in the family business but I thought it was probably prudent to study something else business related that I could learn a lot about I have probably had learned a lot and could continue to learn a lot while working in the hotel uh, that I didn't necessarily need the the undergrad um, and also didn't want to be going down to Shannon at 18 and 100% committing to the family business that thought that probably wasn't the prudent thing to do. So always retained uh, my love for it, worked through college 
uh, in the restaurants and bars here and on my J1s would have worked in uh, hotels in New York and um, Vancouver. Uh, so I always like tried to gain experience and to continue working in hospitality through college. So um, probably wasn't in any doubt, but uh, didn't want to commit at 18, I suppose. Yeah, I have a, a memory of whenever I started into my first full-time proper job, driving home from it one day, and this thought just descended on me that, you know, this is it now, Sharon. This, <laughs> the fun and games are over. You're into the yeah. work now. So you were, it sounds like you were the rock of sense whenever you were looking into the future, deciding what you wanted to do, that, yes, you did want to go into the family business, but you kind of wanted... To, to have a bit of fun and, and explore other avenues just to make sure that you were you were going down the right one ultimately. Yeah, yeah I, I'd never even ended up exploring any other avenues, which I don't know what that says, but it was, um, yeah, I definitely thought it was the the right thing to do. I, I yeah, probably had uh, premonitions of me at 22, 23 going, Jesus, what have I done here? And I've only got a hospitality degree and I don't like this after all, so... But you did the master's then in hospitality. So tell me a bit about that and what that involved. Yeah, that was great because um, did I I studied so when I finished college, my undergrad, I did um a management trainee program here. So my granddad would have been of the belief that you can't manage a hotel or manage uh, areas within a hotel if you haven't done the job yourself. So um there'd be a very strong history of the hotel here and the hotel group as it was um doing a management trainee program so would have worked you know three or four months in the kitchen in uh sales accommodation uh fitness center accounts and kind of see all the different functions of the hotel um so i i went through that and then um i decided then I'd, that i'd like to do a master's and get some more formal education having not done the undergrad so i did that while working um in so it was in dit so i went in one day a week over two years and did that there so um it was fantastic to do having worked in management roles in the hotel and worked in the hotel for 10 years rather than an undergrad who hadn't you know i felt i was um much better place to take on and um understand the information or or contextualize the information you're getting from the ac academia yeah because you probably knew a lot of the stuff that they were teaching you but you didn't have the fancy name for what it was or a different process or thing because i i have found that now reflecting on my parents in the business like they had fruit shops and the things that they used to do like they used to do marketing but they didn't call it marketing but that's yeah. what it was and market research and things like that so sometimes I find we do these courses because we think we don't know a lot of the stuff, but it, they actually show us that we do know a lot more yeah. than we give ourselves credit for. Well, it was a great, it was a great course from that but as well. It wasn't, I felt, I suppose with the, the undergrad, there is an element, it's probably unfair, it's, it's probably much more advanced now, but that it does involve a lot of like the, the technical side of the job, which I felt I could learn here, but the masters was focused on kind of strategic marketing and strategic management and, um, uh, you know, processes. Uh, so it was, I felt it was, um, a, a gap in my knowledge, I suppose, from having, um, not done, um, a, a commerce or a business degree. It was, you know, economics and politics. Um, so, uh, it was great. I'm delighted I did it. And did you do a dissertation then as part of the Masters? Yes, yes. Disaster of a bloody thing. Really? But, uh, well, no, it was, it was fine. But uh, I, I stupidly picked a topic because I was very interested in social media at the time. And this is maybe uh, 12 years ago now. 
And I thought, this will be great. should pick something I'm interested in. But I picked it. And Jesus, writing it over a year and a half, the amount of changes and the amount of yeah, evolution in in um, social media made it actually a very hard topic to do a dissertation on. I should have picked something more um, static or historical. Yeah, because social media then, of course, it did exist, but not as we know it now. Like the, all of the mm. platforms that are out there now, some of them didn't exist 12 years ago or different ones existed 12 years mm. ago that haven't really survived. Yeah, but there wouldn't have been a huge dearth of economic, uh, or sorry, academic papers on uh, hospitality and social media. So, you know, even trying to get good sources and stuff. So, yeah, but it was good. It was interesting thing to do it just made it a little bit hard for myself well let's talk then about <laughs> vibe in the hotel because you've talked obviously about being a third generation and being um there as a child running around the place so it sounds like it's probably a very family orientated hotel we're we're blessed that it's a very mixed market our probably strongest is like leisure um leisure market we're busy obviously during august and midterm and easter with with kids but um you know, we've big conference facilities here. So we've uh, 12 meeting rooms and two large function rooms, delegates up to 600. So, um, you know, we're, we're close to Sandy first, to uh, Bray, to um, Pottery Road here with a lot of pharma companies. We have a lot of corporate business, a um, lot of weddings, a lot of functions. So it's a real mix. You know, we're not overly reliant hugely on one particular market, but yeah, families are a certain part of it. And do you find then, like, that somebody maybe got married there 30, 40 years ago, then they had a christening, then a communion, a confirmation, and then their own children are maybe coming back now to get married. You, you nearly be into the third generation weddings now. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a case of that. And, like, nearly, because it's here so long, everyone in the area, they either learned to swim here, they got married here, or they... um have an anniversary dinner here whatever whatever it was their kids christening communion um so it is it's cool to be part of uh people's memories like that as a hotel so it's not and what i love about it is that um, i'm also obviously biased but it's not a shiny new hotel in the middle of the city that has very transient guests that kind of a lot of tourists not often the same people staying twice um because we're here in a suburb and a high residential area we're very connected to the community around here and um you know everyone has a, a story about being here and speaking of weddings you yourself will have had great sympathy for couples who were meant to get married during the, the pandemic or when the pandemic started because tell me how many times you had to postpone your wedding <laughs> as we got married on the fifth uh date that we scheduled so we postponed it four times um so a combination of blind optimism um and timing so uh we sent out our wedding invites i think march 2020 i said actually this is all blown over by the time we get by the time we get to june it can't go on for four months like so <laughs> yeah and uh, that all changed fairly quickly so um it was uh, a difficult period but i suppose in, in hindsight it's, it's great <laughs> Yeah, I know maybe for some couples there were definite advantages not to have maybe those huge numbers added. And you as a hotelier, you must have had huge empathy then for all of those couples who had had booked weddings with you because you were one of those couples. 
well, I got a good bit of slagging from my friends about because I I was the vice president of the Hotel Federation during COVID. So I was doing a lot of um, I was being put forward for a lot of media and uh, be speaking about the restrictions generally and the restrictions around weddings. So they're like, Jesus, the minister for lobbying for weddings here. Just out for myself. I did note that though you, you did get your stag party in just before the pandemic took place and you got to New York. Yeah, it's my older brother to thank for it. He, he had his second kid in April 2020. And just before that, we were planning to go around April for the stag. And he said, look, I'm going to have to go in February. So I said, oh, OK, just we'll, we'll go earlier. But yeah, the first COVID case in Ireland was uh, while we were in New York. Um, we just got in. And you made the most of it, no doubt. Exactly. I didn't need to drink or go out for a while. So the first part, part of COVID was OK. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and tell me then, what's it like whenever you own a hotel and you're having your wedding in it? Because some people find it very hard to switch off work. And if you're actually at a function and it's in your workplace, um, you know, it's maybe more difficult or more challenging to sit back, relax and enjoy it. Um. Probably didn't enjoy the build up as as much as I thought, you know, with the kind of stress and pressure of it. Um, but um, no, the day was awesome. Like my my younger brother, um, Joseph is he's the hotel manager here, and he's unbelievably experienced, uh, international experience in in running hotels and food and beverage and functions. And he was just like, "You don't worry about a thing. I've got this, and I trust him more than I trust me to do it." So I was able to relax. Um, thankfully. And of course, we have to mention the very special guest that you had on your wedding day in the form of your very dear four-legged friend. <laughs> You've done your research. I've done my research. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we have a, we got a dog during lockdown, Walter. Um, and yeah, he's our. Uh, he's, um, yeah. We love him very much, so he had to come up for the day. Now he didn't come up the whole day. We were worried he'd rip the dress. I know, um, yeah, because so I did see a photograph up. of you and and your wife, and and she had the, you know, you both have the dog up. I thought, oh God, I wouldn't be doing that with my dog wearing yeah. a white wedding dress. We we had to. We, we didn't quite have him at the church or at the function. We had to have him there for some part of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, that's lovely, and and obviously then Kalini is a magnificent part of Ireland and I have to ask them because it's you know there's plenty of rock stars living around in that neck of the woods you must be frequented by some fairly famous faces every now and again yeah yeah that can that, that can happen all right um but uh yeah there's a there's a good few that live in the locality and even actors visiting from abroad etc it's so much movies there's a lot of movie um shoots happening kind of close to us so yeah we're, we're, we're lucky enough to have some guests it's always fun when they come to stay and tell me then just to finish up about the the summer the spring summer season for 2023 i presume you're really looking forward to getting back in through the swing of things like 110 percent because you know this year will be the first year that you'll be operating at maximum capacity since pre-covid yeah, you're right. Actually, we're, when we're when we're sitting down to talk about look forward for the business and our financial meetings for the next couple of months, um, we're comparing back to 2019 for any sort of relatable figure. So, um, it uh, yeah, we're we're all looking forward to the the spring and summer now. Um, even last year we were inundated during spring and summer, but we didn't have the uh, a big enough team. We were still rebuilding our team from uh post COVID and had to have a number of rooms off and restaurants closed. So, 
um, yeah, really looking forward to a great season. Everything's looking quite positive um, with, with the business we have in the book. So, um, yeah, roll on the summer. Well, listen, enjoy it. And um, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me about it today, Mark. No problem. Thanks so much, Sharon, for having me on. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.